0: Well, I'm sure you'll find it helpful to turn to our passages this morning. We're going to be looking at this question of um, adoption uh, in the spiritual sense. Uh, so two passages to read this morning, uh, one from Ephesians chapter 1, and, uh, and then we'll look at uh, Romans 8 as well. So Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 3 down to 10. And then we'll look at Romans 8, verse 12 to 17 in a moment. <clears throat> and Paul is writing uh, to a church that he, he did plant, uh, if Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. And he says, in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And then our second reading is back a few pages to Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 15, uh, sorry, verse 12. Romans 8 is a great passage of assurance for these believers. Uh, He's writing to a church that he didn't, had not yet visited. And uh, he says, so then brothers, verse 12, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirits you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. with him. Let's pray briefly. Father, we thank you for your word, and uh, we pray that now as we come to this uh, great topic of adoption, that you'd help us uh, to understand it and to rejoice in it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're in a a series of sermons on uh, becoming a Christian, what happens when somebody becomes a Christian, Uh, and we've been thinking about what happens in a person. Uh, when they become a Christian and uh, we're also thinking about what happens for the Christian Uh, it's what are the benefits that come to the Christian and uh, what we've seen so far is that every step of the way um, God has taken the initiative in our salvation so everything we've considered so far is as a result of God's initiative God has done all the things and uh, brought all the benefits uh, that are entailed in becoming a Christian. And uh, so far we've looked at how God calls people, how he brings someone to life, how he grants faith and repentance. How, and last week we looked at uh, uh, these are all things that God has done uh, in the person and Last week, we began to look at uh, one, of, one of the benefits that happens for the Christian in looking at justification—how we are made acceptable to God and treated as righteous by Him—and uh, we began to uh, uh, begin to look at this group of three benefits that are outside of us: so justification, and uh, the others—the other two are adoption. Uh, Justification, Adoption And the one we're going to look at next week Is what we call Definitive Sanctification You maybe have no idea what that is (laughs) So we'll come to that So that's why we're doing this series So that you know (laughs) Um, So it's it's connected with sanctification But there's uh, an aspect of it that we need to consider first Definitive Sanctification So justification, Adoption, Sanctification And uh, and when we looked at justification last week We saw how uh, that is a, is a declaration by God of the forgiveness of our sins and how we are accepted as righteous in his sight, and how not only is are we declared to be righteous, but we are actually constituted righteous. It's not just a a random thing that God says about us. He actually makes us righteous. How does he do that? Through Christ and through the imputation of Christ's righteousness. So as it were, you and I were in the dock uh, being accused and Jesus is in there with us. And uh, his righteousness is imputed to us. It is reckoned to our account. So when God looks at us, he doesn't just see us. He sees Jesus as well. And he sees all his righteousness. He says, you're, you're acquitted. And he declares it. And one day that justification will be declared publicly. All will know. I you know, often, often think about this as we, I go through Solihull or do whatever I do and I'm meeting other people. And they have no idea that I'm justified by God. But one day they will know. Not because of me, because of his grace and his goodness and his glory. Because he will declare it to all creation. And everyone will know in the great procession Romans chapter 8 uh, of, of the, the sons of God being revealed. However, that was wonderful in itself. I could preach on that again I suppose. But we must move on. That, that righteousness of course comes through the instrumentality of faith. Uh, as we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, God uses that faith as an instrument, if you like, bringing that righteousness to us. If you, know, if you like, uh, we're united to Jesus Christ, and the faith that we have in him is the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in us, and working that faith in us. And so, if you want to know if somebody's united to Jesus Christ and born again, it's that they have a living faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, so, faith is an instrument that brings that, makes that connection, as it were. <clears throat> um, but it's all through the death of Christ. Uh, so today, we're going to look at, move on a little bit, and move on, move on to this idea of adoption. Um, and it's not a complicated idea. Um, I think most people know roughly what adoption is in everyday life, in our lives. Uh, that when it, it's when a child is legally. Uh, connected to uh, a family, and joined to a family. Uh, For example, a child has lost his parents, an orphan, or somebody who's been abandoned by their parents, and uh, they're adopted by a new family. And that's a legal arrangement that they enter into, uh, the parents. And and it's not simply just to give the child a place to stay, like fostering or uh, some temporary arrangement, but the child is legally recognized as a son or daughter in this family with all the rights and privileges of this family and uh, the they parents are recognised as the child's parents uh, legally their parents and so all the, the rights and privileges of a natural born child are given as it were to, this, to the adopted child and you know, if it's working well there should be no favouritism between your children as a result, that your new children, as it were, are equal in status in your family. And, uh, and of course, uh, an adopted child needs to learn the ropes, as it were, as they come into this family. They, they will have all sorts of habits from the past, that they, and they need to learn how the, family, the new family works and so there's going to be a, a transitional time and it's going to be there might be some difficult aspects of the relationship but we see we understand how this works this legal act of adoption into the family all the rights and all the privileges also the responsibilities of family life come to the child so that's what it is in human relationships what about relationship to god what is adoption in the bible and well it's very similar Uh, God is the God the father is the adoptive parent and he adopts people into his family as his children with all the rights and privileges and responsibilities that that entails and it's easy, easy I think to skip over this concept in the bible um There is; uh, uh, It's there in the Bible, but for some reason it's not given much attention on its own uh, in Christian thinking. In fact, it's often bundled together with one or two other ideas we've already come across. So, so Louis, uh, Louis Berkhoff, uh, the theologian of the last century, who wrote a 700-page you know, systematic theology, uh, you know, outlining all the benefits of uh, Uh, amongst other things, all the benefits of salvation. Uh, Of the 700 pages in his systematic theology, he gives one to the idea of adoption. And even then, he kind of considers it as a, a side benefit of justification. But of course, God accepting you as righteous in his sight is not the same As accepting you as a son or a daughter into his family. They are two different things altogether. And so adoption is a, a thing on its own that we need to consider carefully. Sometimes adoption is assumed to be bundled into the fact that a new believer is born again. But to be born again is all about having a new life given by the Holy Spirit... On the other hand, to be adopted is to receive the rights and privileges of sonship or daughter in addition to this new life that you have. So when we read a a word like this, um, adoption, don't skip over it. It has meaning. It has a wonderful meaning for all of us who are Christians. So now I want to spell out the how and the why of adoption and The passage that we read from Ephesians 1 is a well-known passage and you may know that all you know the passage we read is all one sentence in the Greek um, that's split into different sentences in English to try and make it um, digestible for us but um, I simply want to dwell on this one in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 1 where it says he predestined us for adoption. Now I'm going to range around on other verses as well but that's our kind of starting point that he predestined us for adoption and three questions for the rest of our time this morning firstly how does it happen how how are we adopted secondly what good does adoption do for us and thirdly how does knowing that we are adopted help us today Uh, so there's gonna be a lot of sub points you better get ready (laughs) so first of all how does it happen let me just mention three verses Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 first of all Um, as I mentioned he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ and this tells us that uh, adoption into the family of God is because God has chosen us and he chose us a long time ago why would God do this? In fact, wasn't the Garden of Eden perfect? Wasn't uh, Why did God permit the fall of man uh, and the necessity of the plan of redemption? And, well, it's for this reason, I think. Because the blessings of adoption are and will be even greater than anything that Adam ever experienced or could experience. Such as the love of God that he had in his heart, not simply to to give a blessed life to his creatures, but for men and women to enter into the most blessed of relationships with their Heavenly Father. And if you're a Christian today, does does it ever occur to you that's how profoundly important God's sovereign choice is in your life? Uh, This idea of God choosing you, it's like one of my former ministers, uh, Mr. Alexander, uh, said, "It's not a, you know, Doctor of election is not a bomb to be dropped and blow everybody up. It's not a banner to be waved that this is our party that we are in, but it's a bastion for the soul. It's intended for our encouragement and our uh, uh, in difficult times. We were chosen by God, and it's pastorally." Important that we are chosen of God and so it helps us to understand that our salvation is not an accident <clears throat> God didn't grudgingly bring you in because his true son Jesus Christ did a great thing he always had it planned nor did he grudgingly bring you in because you expressed faith in him he thought oh I better do something then he chose you from before the foundation of the earth. And this is a glorious truth to be adopted into his family. To be adopted, to be received into the family of God. He wanted to and he chose to. Second verse, <coughs> Galatians chapter 4. Turn to it. If you have a Bible, you should turn to it. If you don't have a Bible, why not? Let me be blunt. Sorry. <laughs> We need to check that what I'm saying is true. Okay, Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Let me read four verses. There is one body and one spirit. Oh, sorry, that's Ephesians. (laughs) Galatians. Sorry, wrong Wrong book altogether. It helps if I learn my Bible. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 7. Sorry, verse 4. Uh, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that He might receive adoption as we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, "Abba, Father." So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So that tells us something. It tells us a number of things. It tells us that before our adoption could be realized, so it's set in eternity past, but it has to be realized, and before it could be realized, we had to be redeemed from another master, no longer slaves. <clears throat> and I think Paul may well have had, uh, some, some Paul may have well, have well have had in mind the Roman legal process, but it's probably more likely to do with Uh, the the picture of redemption in Exodus. And so it's in Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, God calls Israel his son. And he is redeeming his son out of slavery into newness of life. And we can see how that exodus then is is a kind of foreshadowing of many things, but it's foreshadowing of the adoption of his people through, through redemption, because of redemption, he's able to then adopt his people to be his. And this is foreshadowing this eternal adoption of his people. And so Jesus Christ, the true son of God, is sent forth from heaven to earth to become the means of redemption for his people Uh, By taking upon himself human nature, suffering and dying for sins, rising from the dead in victory, so that we could be adopted. What a cost. Our adoption cost. But what a marvelous gift of love. And as a result of his electing purposes, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit should plan and redeem an undeserving people from slavery. And not only that, but to adopt them into his family. Marvelous. An amazing thing. Then the the third verse, uh, John's Gospel. Again, you might like to turn to it. John chapter 1, verses uh, 12 and 13. Um, John tells us, but to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So those who, are, who receive Jesus Christ, and this is how it's now, so it comes into our own experience. Those who receive Jesus Christ gain the rights... Of the children of God. And notice that this right of becoming God's children in verse 12. Is in addition to the nature that comes to us through being born of God. So verse 13 deals with being born of God. Verse 12 deals with the rights and privileges that come with adoption. Into the family of God. And it comes through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in those three verses, three passages, we have these three things. God's election, Christ's work, my believing in Jesus Christ. All of these things are necessary to me being adopted into his family. And that's a great redemptive historical purpose. Election, eternity passed, Christ dying on the cross 2,000 years ago believing today I'm adopted makes means I become adopted into his family well let's move on now what what good does this do us so let me now list seven ways seven ways that you the adoption by God is a benefit for us seven ways you ready number one firstly you have God as your father. That doesn't come automatically. Some may find you 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 might find that unremarkable, but um, because you've made an assumption that God is maybe the father of everyone, and maybe you read the Bible and you read the Lord's Prayer and it says, "Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name," and so on, and you think, "Well, anybody can pray that, so is God everybody's father?" But actually, it's, it's not true. There is a sense in which we are God's offspring. In the sense that we are created by Him, and we bear His image, but—and and that's, that's clear in Acts 17:29. Paul is uh, speaking to the Athenians. He says, you're, you know, "We're all the, God's offspring." But that's not what He means when He's—that's not what the Bible means when He's talking about us Christians having Him as our Father. Because for us to call Him our Father truly, we need to be adopted into His family. Some people might find the idea of God as Father threatening. Maybe your idea of fatherhood is a wholly negative one because your earthly father has been a dreadful father, maybe an abusive father, or a complete failure as a father. But you need to know that God is a perfect father. And he will never let you down all fatherhood true fatherhood derives from his fatherhood that he is a perfect love and he he may be the father you have never had if you would come to him and receive him as your father second benefit you're given the spirit of adoption so we read that in acts uh, so romans 8 verse 15 uh you could go on and read in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. That he is a, a seal upon you. The Holy Spirit is a seal upon you. Um, it's a, the stamp of author, of approval upon you. And Paul, knows, and Paul also says something amazing. In Romans uh, 8.15 and uh, uh, Galatians chapter 4. He says, this spirit enables you to cry. Abba Father. He enables you. Uh, to, to speak to him as your father, not as a distant God, but as a near God who is your father, who loves you. And only a person who has the Holy Spirit can truly do that. Yes, you can say the words, of course, Abba, Father. You can sing the songs. But to be able to say it in your heart needs the Holy Spirit. And to believe it to be true needs the Holy Spirit. So that's the second benefit, spirit of adoption. Third benefit, as adopted children, not only do do we want to call him, but we get access to him. Third benefit, we get access to him. Through Jesus Christ, through our adoption, we have access into his presence. In Ephesians, Paul seems to have this fatherhood of God as as a thread through his letter. So that in chapter 3, verse 12, he speaks about Christians having a boldness and access into God's presence. Because of adoption. Because he is your father. And so we can be confident that God hears our cries and hears our prayers when we genuinely come to him. We get to have access to him. Fourth benefit. He shows us compassion. More than simply hearing us, he actually understands how we feel about our needs. He is a dear and loving heavenly father. And he has compassion upon us. And all his being is moved towards helping us. Because he's our father and we are his children. Fifth benefit. He protects and provides for his children. The Psalms are full of references to God as a help, a refuge, a stronghold for his people. So Psalm 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It doesn't mean there will never be hard times. But in the midst of them, God your Father becomes a means of strength to you and provides what you need so that you will bear up under the trials. Fifth benefit, he protects and provides for his children. Sixthly, tricky one this. He disciplines you as a father. He disciplines you as a father. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives the discipline of the Lord this is necessary isn't it children need to be disciplined you know if they go off the rails they need to be disciplined they may just take our words. maybe I will need something stronger but discipline is necessary isn't it when you raise your children and God is the same you know your mum and dad would take action if you did wrong and uh, you didn't always see at the time why it was necessary Um But they were preparing you for life as an adult. They were teaching you what was acceptable, what was not acceptable, and how you're going to get on in the world and make progress. And if certain behaviors are permitted by your parents, then you're going to have trouble later on in life. Simple fact. And so the job of a parent to discipline is really important in the same way our loving Heavenly Father disciplines his people. He is preparing us for a future with him, marked by holiness and blamelessness. And sometimes the difficulty we face in life is because our Father is disciplining us. And our response to that discipline is that we need to learn from it and grow under it and accept it as his loving hand upon us. Seventhly, last one. The Father gives us inheritance rights. So Romans 8, 16, 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What's remarkable about this is that we are placed in the same category as Jesus. Just think about that. We are heirs with Christ. Seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. It's staggering, isn't it? You you struggle to believe that. I know that. Because I struggle. And I think if I I struggle with something, you probably will as well. But it's it's staggering, isn't it? That we could be on on the same level, treated at the same level as the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we don't deserve any of that. Of course we don't. But what an amazing God who lifts us up to that level. Gives us all these rights and privileges and heirs and inheritance to come. It's wonderful, isn't it? And so all the blessings that the Son of God enjoys with his Father in eternity, we will share with as well. What a glorious thing. Blows the mind, doesn't it? well here 's the last main point this evening is that more is it evening already no it 's not it 's still morning. Um, how does adoption help us today? How does it help us today practically uh, and i 've got a few things to say. sorry, a few more points. first of all, it should completely change how we think about ourselves before God it 's often said that one of the biggest problems in society, is the lack of self-esteem and poor image, self-image. And it's attributed to poor upbringing, poor parenting, absence of good role models, uh, systemic problems. It's always good to invoke systemic problems and never be specific. But it's, uh, it's, you know, maybe some of that's true. But the answers that the world gives... uh, to this problem are barking up the wrong tree completely. The fundamental problem that gives rise to all problems in society is the presence of sin and corruption in our lives and in society. And ultimately that's all about being disconnected from the God who's made us. Separated from God. And the answer to the problem and all these problems is once again to, to be received as a child of God into the family of God through Jesus Christ by faith in him. we received into that uh, family of God and God becomes your father and Jesus Christ becomes your big brother. And he begins, you begin to be changed and renovated in your life. And it's as you put your trust in him and you're rightly related to God, that you're in the best place to have whatever self-esteem you need uh, to be restored. That's the best place to be. Really what you're doing is you're seeing how God esteems you as a son, you see. And when you see how God sees you as a son and how Jesus sees you as a brother or a sister, then what need do you have of some other system of developing your self-esteem? you have everything you need through God and through his son Jesus Christ so it completely changes how we think about ourselves to be adopted it makes you, can I use this advice But it helps you stand tall in the world some of you are tall already but you, know, you shorties, you, you can stand tall as well <laughs> I, shouldn't, I should stop digging um but you know we can stand tall in the world not because we are something but God has made us something heirs of him joy that we have the joy that we have because we belong to God helps us to stand tall with a joy and we have a poise about us that belongs to sonship and daughtership so How we think about ourselves. Second thing, it affects how you treat other people in the the church. You can't see—we can never see our church as merely a voluntary association of disconnected individuals with a common interest in religious matters. That's how some people think of church. It's like a club that you can join. But we are not a voluntary association of disconnected individuals with common interest, a common interest in religious matters. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, who together share an inheritance with Christ. And notice that it's not good enough to love people generally. Most people say, yes, I love everybody. and go around loving everybody, saying they love everybody, but they can't stand their neighbor next door. You, know. you need to actually love the particular people in the church. Uh, you see, somebody who never cares for people in the church, never takes the time to find out about them, never takes the time to lovingly serve and help, might not actually be in the family at all. You might not yourself be adopted. Because you don't have that life-changing life within you. To be adopted into the family is to see the people of your church differently and to love them and be knit together in love, as Paul says in Colossians 2, chapter verse 2, I think. Here's the third benefit. I've got two more. third way that affects us, it helps us to take The problem of of sin in our lives seriously. You see, having entered into a new household and seen all the privileges that we now enjoy, uh, to sin then becomes a willful rejection and disruption of those blessings. It becomes an open act of rebellion. And so, the more you realize what you've got, the more thankful you are, and the more you want to please your Heavenly Father. And so, you begin to bear down on sin in your life, and uh, in the strength that God gives you to mortify sin, to kill it, and to live to Christ. So, it, we're helped to take sin seriously in our lives if you're adopted into, your, into the family of God. Fourth uh, help it helps us to pray. Adoption helps us to pray. So that we know we have a Father in heaven. And we have such needs that He can help us, such that He can help us. And so we pray. We go to our Father for help. And we know because He is our Father that He's going to help us. And so we'll pray. So we we get motive to pray, we see the need to pray, and we make time to do it. The Benefits of adoption. If we, if we properly grasp it, that's, it changes how we pray. And I dare say that someone who does not pray is someone who does not believe that they've come into the family of God. <coughs> Indeed, it may be true that you have not actually come into the family of God yet if you're not praying. So friends, if you're, if you're a believer this morning... Remember this, you are chosen of God the Father. He has sent his Son to be your Redeemer and Savior. He has given you his Spirit to assure you that you are adopted into his family. And all these things, you are unimaginably blessed. If you're not a believer today, and with this we'll finish, let me just say this, if you are to have Jesus Christ as your brother if you are to receive him as your brother then through him God grants you the privilege of becoming a son or a daughter of God's family and you will never be the same again after that you will never be the same again your life will be transformed you will be changed completely everything will come under the scrutiny of God's word because you're now part of this new family and you'll begin to think about everything else differently from the vantage point of being in this family and you will be transformed nothing will be the same again but it's glorious it's worth it, give up everything else if necessary to come into this family through Jesus Christ give it up, it's not worth it it will all be washed away one day everything you have in life will be gone Except there's one issue. What are you going to say to God? Are you going to appeal to his son, Jesus Christ? Are you going to appeal to the fact that you're received into his family? Or are you simply going to stand on your own two feet, which won't last very long because you'll be bowed down below, down before him? Come to Jesus. Be received. Come into the blessings of this family. Will you not have him? Friends, if you want to talk to me afterwards about this, then I'm I'm always available. So please do. Don't be afraid. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, this wonderful truth of the adoption uh, of people into your family. Thank you for this marvelous blessing. And it's uh, staggering that we could be raised to share the benefits that the Lord Jesus Christ does. But we rejoice in it. We pray you'd help us to to realize what we are in Christ. And for those of us who are not believers yet, we pray that you'd help us to see it and to receive him and come to him that we might have these rights and privileges for all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.